Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Well, all right, here we go. Luke chapter 11, here's what it says. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased or when he stopped that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John, talking about John the Baptist, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, well, let's just stop right there. Prayer is not a mental exercise. Prayer is a verbal exercise. See, many thoughts go through our minds all the time, but God is not recognizing those thoughts as what we're asking him to do. But when we choose which thoughts to vocalize, to express, now it's called prayer, see? And so Jesus said very clearly, when you pray, say. So we're going to say something. All right, now then he gives us what to say. And here's Luke's uh, version of it, which is virtually identical to others, but a little bit different language here in this gospel. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So another gospel goes on to say, for yours is the glory and the power. And for yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So notice here, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Start off calling to your Father and worshiping him, declaring his name to be holy. Jesus says, start off praying like that. And then say, your kingdom come and your will be done. In other words, I'm not just coming to say, Lord, I, I want you to do this and I want you to do that. No, we're not coming saying, God, you're my servant. And this is what I need you to do. Jesus said, no, your posture has to be different. First, honor and worship God as almighty God. He is the creator. He is the holy one. And then say, your kingdom come and your will be done. In other words, I'm submitting to your will. I'm not asking you to submit to my will. See, Jesus is helping us to posture ourselves before the Lord so that our prayers can be answered. We we bring things into perspective, not just mentally knowing it, but he, he's saying we should acknowledge it verbally, orally to God. Say it, your kingdom come and your will be done. Lord, I'm asking you to, to do your will through my life and in my life. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, I love that because, you know, there's no sickness in heaven. There's no poverty in heaven. There's no abuse in heaven. There's no, uh, you know, uh, taking advantage of people in heaven, stealing, etc. in heaven. So Jesus says, pray that the way that things are in heaven, that it be done here. So in other words, God wants the earth to be like heaven. God wants the peace, the blessing, the joy uh, of heaven to be here on earth. But of course, Satan 
has other plans and uses other people to say other things and to give the demonic realm the right to do things. But Jesus said, but you pray and release with your prayer the kingdom of God into this earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then notice, give us day by day our daily bread. See, Jesus is acknowledging, no, God wants to be your provider and I want you to pray. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who's indebted to us. So we need to confess sins and receive forgiveness. And confessing is a verbal exercise, not just mental. And he goes on to say, and do not lead us into temptation. Well, there's temptation all around. So we're praying, Lord, lead me around temptation. Don't lead me uh, into temptation. Lead me to avoid it. But deliver us from the evil one. Lord, the evil one's out to get us. You know, 1 Peter 5, 8 is where Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And Jesus said, pray, Lord, deliver us from the evil one. Okay, verse 5. And he said, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on, on, a, on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise to, and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. In other words, uh, if you keep knocking and knocking and knocking and say, I need bread. I've got some people here. I've got somebody I've got to feed. I need bread. I need bread. If you'll be persistent, he'll do it. Verse 9, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. What is Jesus saying? Be persistent in your prayer. Not because God is a reluctant God, but there are other factors that we're not aware of. And sometimes we think a delay of answer is a denial. And Jesus is saying it is, an, it is not. A delay is not a denial. Stay with it. Keep asking. Stay with it in prayer. Verse 10, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Uh, so before I get to verse 11, let me just go back and clarify something here about this persistent kind of prayer. In this particular example that Jesus gave, he's talking about intercessory prayer. Now, How do we know that? Because Jesus said back in verse 5, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me. See, I'm asking for bread for somebody else. See? And so Jesus is teaching us there about intercessory prayer for other people. And I'll tell you something about praying for other people. When you pray something in faith for yourself, your words and faith need to be in alignment with God's word and stay with it. But when you're praying for somebody else, guess what? You may be speaking words of faith and standing firm on the promises of God, but they may be releasing words of doubt and unbelief. And so uh, often in intercessory prayer, we have to be all the more persistent, all the more fervent, because we're, in a sense, combating them speaking out their own words of unbelief contrary to the Scriptures. And they may want the answered prayer to come to pass, but their word just their words just keep saying things that are negating those things. So it makes intercessory prayer more complicated than when you're just praying for things by yourself and for yourself.
Okay, so coming down now to verse 11, Jesus goes on to say, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I love Luke's gospel here because, for example, in Matthew, uh, it reads, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give give good gifts to those who ask him? But here he says, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? So those who ask him, well, why is that important? Because some people are concerned, you know, if they're praying for uh, the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, what if I don't get the Holy Spirit? What if I get uh, a demon spirit? Or what if my spiritual language is not really a language of the Holy Spirit? What if it's just a mental language? What if it's just uh, something the enemy's doing to trick me? No, Jesus said, nope. Nope, you wouldn't do that to your children to give them something they didn't ask for. And certainly your heavenly father is not going to do that. If you're asking for the Holy Spirit, you're going to get the genuine one and only spirit of the living God. You're going to be filled with the spirit. So the father's going to make sure of it. So Jesus is convinced. I love to bring out this verse when I'm praying with people to be filled with the spirit and for them to be released in spiritual language. I love to tell them, you don't have anything to worry about. Jesus guaranteed that the Father will not do a switcheroo, uh, a bait and switch, so to speak, on you. You're going to get the Holy Spirit if you're asking for the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, And he was casting out a demon, and it was mute, saying that the man couldn't speak. Okay, it was a mute demon. So it was when the demon had gone out that the mute spoke, And the multitudes marveled. This guy that could never speak, now he could speak. What's the difference? Did he go through speech therapy? Nope, a demon was cast out. So once again, we can see this is not always the case, but some physical conditions that people have, uh, whom the medical professionals diagnose as a physical condition, some of them, not all, but some of them are really demonic problems. And until you deal with the demonic, that physical condition is not going to improve. And we need to discern the difference. So when the demon had gone out, the mute spoke and the multitude, uh, multitudes marveled. But some of them said, he cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. Others testing him sought from him a sign from heaven. So these are people that are disbelieving. Verse 17, but he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falls. Uh, uh, and excuse me, and and a house divided against itself, that, that was correct, falls. Listen to this, verse 18. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Now, what is he referring to? Well, they were accusing Jesus of casting out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. Who is that? That's Satan. And he's saying that if Satan's casting out his own demons, that doesn't make any sense. It's, it's Satan's kingdom against Satan's kingdom. He said, so verse 18, if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Talking about the disciples. They're casting out demons too. Are they also 
these Jewish people that you know, are they also casting out demons by Satan, Beelzebub? Therefore, they will be your judges. These Jewish people that you know who are casting out demons, of course, by the Spirit of God and in the name of Jesus, they're going to end up being your judges. Verse 20, but if I cast out demons with the finger of God, don't you love that, the finger of God? Do you remember in the Old Testament that God wrote the Ten Commandments on those tablets with his finger? So when we say the finger of God, we're talking about the finger of God, which is writing the word of God. If I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. This is really interesting. He who does not gather with me scatters. You know, you have people in a church and you're going after a vision. You're going after people and they do nothing. They just sit there and sit there and sit there. Well, guess what? Jesus said, he who is not with me, uh, he who does not gather with me scatters. Now, why is that? Because you're going to stand around and you're going to talk to people and you're going to fellowship with them and you're going to talk about this and that and sports teams and everything. And you're distracting people from what God is telling us to do. Why? Because you're not gathering with us. So you end up, you end up distracting people. You're scattering, even unintentionally, unwittingly. And so that's why everybody in the kingdom of God, we've got to be about the Father's business. We've got to be gathering with the Lord. And then our conversations can focus on that. Our fellowship can be about the Father's business. Verse 24. Jesus is still talking about these spirits. Now watch this. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places. What does that mean? When he's inside of a man, a man is moist. Most of our bodies are made up of water, right? But notice when he goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none. Uh, And he says, I will return to my house from which I came. Talking about to the man, the person from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. So now we've got eight demon spirits, seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. What's the point? The point is, if you have somebody that had a demon spirit, was demon-possessed, so to speak, and that demon is cast out, that person needs to to fill their heart with the Word of God and be filled with the Holy Spirit because those demons will come back to check to see if there's vacancy. And if there's vacancy in this person, then those demons will not only come back but bring in other demons that they've met, so to speak, out in those dry places. Verse 27, And it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts which nursed you. Now this is something that a lot of people do. A lot of people give uh, uh, and uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, an unreasonable and unwarranted amount of uh, glory to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, certainly, you know, the Bible says the angel said to her, blessed are you among women. She was certainly blessed to be able to birth the Lord, and, and that is honor to be deserved. But see, 
some people will continue to, as it were, worship Mary. Blessed are, is the womb that bore you and the breast that nursed you. Now watch how Jesus responds. And, but he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So yes, that was an honor that Mary was able to be the mother of Emmanuel, God, the son of God. But he said, but more than that honor, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So Jesus is letting us know in the kingdom of God's value system that having an honor be bestowed on you is not as much of an honor as you responding to God and being obedient to the Lord and serving God. He said that's even more honorable, not discounting the honor of Mary, but highlighting the honor on people who are obedient to the word of God. Verse 29, and while the crowds were thickly gathered together, he began to say, this is an evil generation. It seeks a sign and no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to to the Ninevites, so also the son of man will be to this generation. Let me just stop there and say, uh, mention what he's talking about. Some people weren't believing his words. We, we need to believe the gospel. The way to be saved is to believe the word of God, believe, believe the preaching of the gospel. Some people want to say, prove it. Show me a miracle. Show me a sign. And that's what some people did in Jesus' day. And Jesus said, no, I'm not playing that game. No, listen to what I'm saying. And in your heart, sense that God Almighty is talking to you and that what I'm preaching is true. Verse 31, the queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. This is talking about the queen of Sheba. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. Jesus is talking about himself. This is the son of God. Verse 32, the men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here, talking about himself. Verse 33, no one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Now notice the lamp of the body, not the lamp of the house, the lamp of the body. What does that mean? The way that light gets into your body, he's saying is through your eyes. Whatever your eyes are looking at, it's bringing those images into your body, inside of your mind. See? And he said, the lamp of the body is the eye. Uh, Where was I here? The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, verse 34, when your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. You're bringing in good images. You're looking at wholesome things that are bringing in good things inside of your mind and heart. Your whole body will be full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body will also uh, uh, is full of darkness. In other words, you're looking at pornography. Look, You're looking at perversity. You're looking at horrible violence. You're bringing images and things into your body and into your mind that are going to corrupt you inside. You're bringing darkness inside because your eyes, you're looking. See, your eyes are not just for you to see. Uh, Yes, you see what's out there, but your eyes are projecting uh, like a projector. Your eyes are projecting those images back inside of you. And this is what Jesus is teaching us. And so we need to be very careful 
what we're projecting inside. He said, when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light, as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. Well, you know, Psalm 119, verse 130 says, the entrance of his words gives light, gives light. Uh, Verse 105 of that same chapter says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Today, we're bringing in the word of God into our eyes and into our minds and into our bodies. What does that mean? Light is coming. You know, just the concepts. Light, we're seeing more clearly today because of God's word. And Jesus said, boy, that's the way to fill your body with the light of God. Verse 37, and as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and sat down to eat. When the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. So the Pharisee marveled that Jesus didn't go and wash his hands. Uh, Verse 39, Then the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather give alms of such things as you have. Then indeed all things are clean to you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue, and all manner of herbs, and pass by justice and the love of God. So, see, they were uh, self-justifying by saying, we're keeping every little part of the law. We not only tithe on our money, we tithe on every little, you know, parsley that somebody gives us or any kind of herb that's given to us. We tithe on that, and they're they're glorying in that as if they're doing a big thing. But Jesus said, yeah, but look at the rest of your life. You are compromising justice and you're compromising uh, the love of God in your life. And so you can't just take one little slice of your life and think that that's the only thing God looks at. Jesus said there are bigger issues than even what you're tithing. And so notice he goes on to say, he said, you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. Watch this. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. In other words, you should have been attending to justice and the love of God without leaving the tithe undone. So Jesus didn't discount tithing. He said, you should have done that too. But there are things that are even more important than tithing. Verse 43, Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like graves which are not seen. And men who walk over them uh, are not aware. In other words, you're walking on the surface. It may have grass and flowers and all that. In another one, it says whitewashed stones and such. He said, but inside, it's full of dead men's bones. So he's saying, you may look good on the outside, but inside, there's some real corruption that's in your heart. And he's saying, instead of worrying about washing your hands before you eat, you should be more concerned about getting the inside of your heart cleaned up. And that's the point of what Jesus is saying. Verse 45. Then one of the lawyers answered and said to him, Teacher, by saying these things, you reproach us also. (laughs) Because he was talking about the Pharisees and the scribes. And one of the lawyers said, Hey, you're reproaching us also. And he said, (laughs) he didn't back down. He said, Woe to you also, lawyers, for you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. 
Woe to you, for, uh, for you blind, excuse me, for you build the tombs of the prophets and your fathers killed them. In fact, you bear witness that you approve the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them and you build their tombs. Therefore, the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. From the blood of Abel, that's the, the first man that was killed by his older brother Cain, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the temple. Yes, I say to you, it shall be required of this generation. Very interesting. Why shall it be required? To whom much is given, much is required. Well, what much was given to this generation that Jesus was talking to? The Son of God was right there in their face, came down personally to preach to them, and they're not receiving it. So Jesus is saying, you're going to be accountable for all that has, all the blood that was shed before, because you're not listening and receiving from the Son of God himself. Woe to you, lawyers, verse 52, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, uh, and those who were entering in, you hindered. So you, you lawyers who really know the, the law and how things ought to be decided on because you know the technicals, you had the key of knowledge for salvation. And not only did you not use that key to enter into salvation yourself, but you're precluding other people from entering in. Verse 53, and he said these things, excuse me, and as he said these things to them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently and to cross-examine him about many things, lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him in something he might say that they might accuse him. All right, so that's the end of that chapter. That's chapter 11. I look forward to tomorrow, chapter 12. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple-making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.